Welcome to another inspiring message from Milestone Church in Keller, Texas. Once again, we want to welcome you to Milestone Church. I want to welcome those of you watching online. We're in our Dreamhouse series, and as you can see, our format's a little different. A few years ago, our staff team asked Pastor Jeff and Brandy if they wouldn't mind doing a Q&A. We found it's a conversational way for us to jump in to these subjects that we care about so much. And I know on this subject in particular, the family and parenting, I want to thank you guys for being willing to do this, because in some ways, with kids and being a pastor, and I know with our kids, you're thinking about using them in messages illustrations, and you do, they're not perfect. They've got challenges, but at the same time, this is a subject that's so important to all of us, and I know as friends, we've been friends a long time before we had kids, and so we talk almost daily, weekly about what's going on with our kids' lives, and we wanted to extend this conversation so that our entire church family could participate in it because it is so important. We all want our kids to be the best that they can be, so thank you so much for being willing to do this on this special weekend. Well, thank you for that qualifier, Jed, because because, you know, parenting and kids, it's something that we, we care so deeply about, right. but it's kind of like, it's, it's weird. It's like in church, you know, the things we care about, we sometimes don't want to talk about, but it's like, please talk about it, but I don't like what you always have to say about it. Right. It's like money, you know, don't yeah. talk about money, but I really care about it, but I don't like mm. what you have to say, but I need to hear what right. you have to say, <laughs> yeah. okay? And, and I understand this is a very personal area. Right. And we're all on a journey together. So today, we don't want you to receive condemnation. Mm -hmm. We can all get better. We can all grow in this message uh, of questions. Really, it it impacts us at every phase of life. And so um, I want to say welcome and happy Mother's Day to all the moms. We so appreciate you for what you do. Um, I want to say thank you to my wife for joining me. And uh, she is the one who makes our house a home and it would not be what it is without you. So I honor you, honey, and all the, the, the moms here. Let's just give them another yeah. round of applause. Right. Okay? Thank you so much. So we're all in this together. Yes. We're in this together. Give us a little grace. We yes. have normal kids. We're proud of them, but they're normal kids and we're not experts. We're on the journey with you. So we're going to try to take the biblical principles as we answer these questions. Well, we got a bunch of questions. Uh, We get questions from email. We get questions from our pastoral care department, from social media. We try to take them all together. And and thank you for those of you who sent questions. Try to figure out the ones that the most of us are are wanting help on. So Brandy, we'll just jump in. When we approach the subject of the family, so many of our questions jump right to discipline, whether we're talking about toddlers or teenagers, how do we create a healthy culture of discipline for our children? That's a good question. And that is a question that we get a lot from from parents. But I think, you know, we... Um, we tend to think, well, that's just a given that we actually believe in discipline. But, you know, and some of you older generation are like, what are you talking about? Of course you discipline your children. But there's a whole new younger generation that it's not actually the thing to do. Um, We try to redirect our kids instead of saying no. Um, No is too harsh of a word, you know. So we just, you know, wave something flashy over here and hope they forget what they're doing, you know. um, But that's not really a good philosophy for life. And it's not really what God commands us to do. So I want to start by kind of setting out God's principle for discipline. And I would love, okay, I just want to take a little poll. How many of you in here have heard the phrase, spare the rod, spoil your child? Most all yeah. of you. Almost everybody. Almost yeah. everybody. Okay, I'm not going to make you raise your hand on this. Just think about this. How many of you think that's actually in the Bible? Yeah, yeah we're not going to raise our hand on that one <laughs> yeah. because it's not. 
But there is a verse that is in the Bible that that's paraphrased from, but it doesn't really say that. So I want to talk about what the Bible says about discipline. Okay, we're going to go to Proverbs 13, 24. I like when you wear your glasses. I know you do, baby. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it looks so powerful. Oh, hey guys. Okay, so uh, back to Proverbs 13, 24. Yeah. Whoever spares the rod hates their children. But the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. I'm trying to be serious. Okay, yeah. sorry. It's a pretty heavy verse. That's, I'm it's, to, it yeah. is a pretty heavy verse. Okay, let's, let's read the word. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. So I'm going to say it one more time. Okay. Whoever spares the rod hates their children. But the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. Yeah. You know, you may hear this verse and that just rubs you wrong. Because maybe you were raised in a home where discipline was very harsh and you always said and done out of a lot of anger and you said, I'm not going to do that with my children. So you've been a reactionary parent. You've reacted against what you grew up with and said, I'm not going to discipline my children because I know how hurtful that was in my life. But discipline is not meant to be hurtful like that. Discipline is actually for our good. And the Bible is actually um, the, the thing that tells us that we're supposed to discipline our children. We never go off what our experiences have been or what a pop culture psychology book has said, we really go off of what the Bible says. Mm -hmm. And when we have a healthy perspective on the Bible and God's heart towards our children, we can really discipline them correctly. But not only sometimes are we reactive about our past and the way we were raised, sometimes we're just reactive. You know, you're in that situation, you're in the store, and your kid, your cute little angel that you post on Instagram when they're sleeping, because that's about the only time they're a cute little angel at some ages, you know? I mean, they throw themselves on the ground and throw the biggest fit you've ever seen in your life. They are wailing. They're not quiet in one corner, you know, kind of sulking. I mean, they are wailing, throwing their arms and legs around. And, you know, your first thought is, whose kid is this? They need to come take care of it. That's, <laughs> that's what they'll my do kid. when we put I, My kid num- doesn't do that. Yeah. That's what they do when we put their number up there. Everybody's sitting out there. That's somebody else's somebody kid. Else's yeah, kid. But then you want to discipline them because they've just embarrassed you, right? So you're reactive because, oh my goodness, they just did that and I am so embarrassed. Or they say something to somebody and you're like, oh my gosh, did they, did they get that from me? Oh no. Um, or I remember one time, my nephew's in college now, but I remember before I had kids, I had him at the zoo and he was holding my hand and he was so cute. He just had this cute smile, mischievous smile. And, um, and we were walking and this grandmother and her little girl were walking towards us and he was smiling at her. And all of a sudden he let go of my hand and he ran over to that little girl and kicked her in the shins. <laughs> I was like, oh my goodness. That just happened. You're going to get it, buddy. You know? Um, But that's where you're like, I can't believe this just happened. And you react. Uh, Or sometimes they're just irritating you to death. And you just blow your gasket, you know, because you're just so tired of it. And so we're reactive in our parenting. But I encourage you to take another approach. Now, there are times to react to something that happens in that moment and take care of it. But I think a better approach is to just be proactive to begin with so that we talk about our kids when there's not a conflict going on about what good behavior is. What is the heart of God? Because I really believe that discipline is not just about good behavior or bad actions. It's about what's going on in their heart. Mm -hmm. And we really want to parent the heart of our child. Mm -hmm. And so how do you say, Brandy, practically, that's so nebulous. How do you 
pastor or, or a parent the heart of their, you know, your children. It starts with little things, you know. One of the things that we did before our kids could even read or understand, if they could talk, we started talking to them about the scripture. We talked about John 3:16, for God so loved the world. That was the first one that they memorized. And then quickly, as all children have little fears, you know, you've not been given a spirit of fear, but of love, power, right. and a sound mind. Then the fruit of the spirit that talks about patience and self-control and joy and love. And, and so you start talking to them about these things in non-conflict situations. So they understand the difference between right and wrong. They understand God's heart. We talk about that we love God and we want to live for God. That's what our life is all about. And so we start putting these principles in them. So it hurts God's heart when we demand our own way, when we're rude to other people, when we're selfish and we won't share, when we're greedy and we want more than our share. So we just, we start talking to them about that so that they develop an internal value system, an internal conscience. Good. So yeah. that when something comes up, they know the difference between right and wrong already. So that's kind of a little thing, but that doesn't happen in a day. You say, I, I bring my kid to church and I put them in children's church, so they should be learning something. And that's amazing. We should have our children back there. We have a phenomenal children's program. They're gonna learn about Jesus and they're gonna learn Bible stories and all of that. But it doesn't substitute, it doesn't substitute what you're doing day in and day out. My favorite parenting scripture of all time is Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 6, verses six and seven. And it says, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. I mean, so that's where we start is the commandments are first to be on your heart. You can't impress them on your children if you don't first have them, right? So you have these things on your heart. And then it says, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. If you're going to engage with their hearts, you have to talk about it all the time. It's just a way of life. When they're getting up in the morning, my kids used to make fun of me, and I still do this every once in a while just to be funny, but I'll go in there and I wake them up and I'm like, rise and shine and give God the glory, glory. They're like, okay, mom, cut it out. You know, <laughs> this is the day the Lord has made. And they're like, I just want to sleep five more minutes, you know. But you just, it's like when they rise, we're talking about Jesus. Hey, what do you, what's going on at school today? What are some challenges you think you're going to face? Um, when, you're, when they're going to sleep at night, we've always been big believers in being by their bedside. And that's not just for little kids. That's mm -hmm. for your teenagers. It's good. I mean, it's amazing how much they'll open up to you, even your teenager. If you're just hanging out with them by their bed at night, they will open up and start talking to you about the deep things of their heart. It's good. So you continue and you say, well, Brandy, how do I know what's in their heart? I mean, how do I really know what's in there? Well, you know, the Bible says that out of the abundance of the, uh, um, out of the, abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, mm -hmm. okay? And so you say, well, my kid's getting into trouble all the time at school and they're having a lot of problems, but, but they have a good heart. <laughs> well, I would say, let's check that a little bit because if they're constantly having problems and behavior issues, we probably need to go in there and see what's going on in their heart because something's gotten in there that's not great. Mm -hmm. And so that doesn't mean they're a bad kid. It means we got to go and deal with the heart of the matter. Okay. So we start working on that and you say, okay, Brandy, well, like, how does that, how does that play? You know, why is it so important? I know you're talking about this because here's the deal. Behavior modification only last for a minute. Right. They can do something and I can get on to them. They're like, okay, I'm not going to do that again. But it lasts for a moment. Sure. If it's not in their heart to do the right thing, it won't last. It no. won't last long term. So you have to keep doing that. And you say, well, why is that so important? Because the Bible says, the Bible says in, um, in Proverbs, it says, um, guard your heart with all diligence for it determines the course of your life. Yeah. It determines the course of your life. Everything in life comes from what's in your heart. Right. 
So we have to be careful to guard it, to know what's in there. So you gotta listen to them, listen to what they're talking about, listen to what they're saying, the issues they're having at school, and you'll know and you'll be able to go in there and, and tweak it. That's so, so good. I, I think this is a big change, perspective shift for some people because I think a lot of times we, we feel like with our kids, discipline is follow the rules, do what you're supposed to do, and right. you're saying that that's really just a behavior modification as opposed to a culture that shapes their heart totally different way to look at it. Right. And I will say this, sometimes they will, they get smart and they know how to say the right thing, but you can tell it's not in their heart, especially as they get older. And so they'll say what you want to hear, but you know, they don't really have a revelation of it in their heart. So I remember uh, last year before we were doing the question and answer um, parenting talk, we asked our kids like, what would be the most aggravating, annoying thing that we do as parents? Like, just tell us, you know, you have full permission to just say whatever. And we were at the dinner, dinner table and one of our kids said, you beat a dead horse. <laughs> like, we'll talk about something and we'll say, okay, we got it. And you'd be like, no. And he said, and then the other kids chimed in, oh yeah, you beat, beat the horse. <laughs> beat and the dead. other kids, and they're like, you beat it dead, <laughs> you know? And it's true, we will beat a dead horse until we feel like you're getting a revelation of it in your heart. It's good. That's really good. And, and I want to help all of the parents here to become better at beating dead horses, right? <laughs> we all want to do that. Yeah. Because... It sounds good to take care and check what's in their heart, but let's talk practically. Let's move a step even more practical. Maybe there's, I like to think of it this way, if there's two things, right? Maybe one of you, each of you could touch one. What's an area of the heart, Pastor Jeff, that you know you have to win in? Well, when you, when you throw that out there, for a lot of you, you're like, the heart, what is that? And that's such a powerful passage. Out of the heart flow the issues of life. Right. So let me, let me say to the, to the young families, to the young parents, we have so many here in our church, and we're going to hit every phase of this. But let me say to the young families that you have to train them, discipline them, discipline that child, as Proverbs says, not, not again that it will spoil them, but you hate them. Why would the Bible say you hate them if you don't train that heart, right. because you're setting them up for so much pain in their future and throughout the course of their life if you're not willing to deal with the rejection, the time, the energy yourself right. to deal with what's going on in discipline the heart. Discipline takes discipline, discipline on our part. That's discipline. one of the reasons yeah. we don't yeah. want to do it. Yeah. I know I've been in situations where I've been disciplining my kid all day and then they do something and I'm like, I didn't hear that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that didn't happen. <laughs> because it takes discipline to discipline your kid. And just like with any scriptural principle, I know a lot of people are like, but you don't know my situation. Right. You don't know my kid. I realize kids come in all shapes and sizes. Sure. I love kids, by the way. Jesus loved kids. They're full of potential. Uh, more than my own kids, I help so many other people's kids because I just, I love them. And they come with different personalities. True. They come with all kinds of different challenges. Of course, we define more things as challenges today. Look, I was, look, <laughs> I, I was not a compliant kid. I mean, I was all over the place. I was a substitute teacher's worst nightmare. <laughs> yeah. Are you joking me? Man, that, and, and you, used to, when I was a kid, it's like he's got ADD. We called it gifted and talented. <laughs> yeah. Now it's a problem. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yes. Squirrel. I mean, I, that, yeah. you know, I get it, okay? I mean, just give your right. kid a little grace. They may do something great one day. Right. But thank God I had parents and people in my life that was training in me some things in my heart. And I'd like to say the number one thing, the number one thing I would like to say is mm -hmm. the Bible says, this really affects your worldview. The whole, the kid's the center of the universe. And, every, and, and, and again, we need to encourage our children. 
But this worldview has damaged so many kids that their heart is basically good. The Bible says the heart is deceitful, wicked, and rebellion is bound up in the heart of a child. Mm -hmm. And discipline removes that rebellion. You're like, Jeff, should we break their spirit? No, we don't break their spirit, but if you don't deal with their will, if you don't deal with the will, then you're setting them up for so much pain. So I would say, Jed, what I see in culture today because of this sort of the kids, the CEO, the kids, the king, my six-year-old this morning, all the kids got together to honor mom, little Starbucks, little card, her card, it came (laughs) off of the card came a queen hat. And my six-year-old flashed and she said, mom's the queen. I said, well, what does that make me? She said, well, God's the king, so you're the prince. Anyway. But so many kids have worn the Burger King crown and they think they're the king of the home, the king of the school, the king of the team. And look, they're a king in your mind. They're a queen in your mind. They're special. Look, your kid is special to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. But if you get them to walk into life and think they are the king of every other situation and especially the authorities in their life. Let me help. I've had more teachers, man. They're like, come on, preach, brother. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. If you don't teach your child to submit to teachers, to police officers, to authorities, to government, to pastors, if you don't teach them to submit and respect that authority, hear me, you're setting them up for a whole lot of pain in life. It's true. Yeah. Because guess what? You're not going to work with them one day. They're going to have a boss. So you train that. Yes, they're saying, encourage me. Yes, believe with me. Get in with me. Help me reach my destiny. But here, foolishness. I had a lot of foolishness as a kid (laughs) all over the map. My parents, my poor parents. But look, what they were looking for a lot of times in me, foolishness is different than rebellion. It's good. Rebellion, young families, deal with the rebellion Don't allow that to manifest itself over a long period of time. It's so, so vital. So I would say rebellion. Romans 13, go read it. Romans 13, 1 through 5, says authority is set up by God. Mm -hmm. Okay? So I see so many people, they're emailing the teacher. The coach is always wrong. You know, I'll just tell you, we're weird. I think we're from a different planet. Um, Our kids know. I mean, there was, my son was... Playing one of your favorite stories to tell. He was yeah. he he plays football and he came home and man he was just mad at his coach this last year. I yeah, well that kind of goes into the next thing, which is entitlement. Yeah. right. There's this authority and entitlement. A lot of times those things go together, and you know uh, the definition of entitlement. You say, well, Brandy, what are you talking about with entitlement? You know, is the belief that one is inherently deserving of privileges or special treatment. And like Jeff said, we go, well, we're like, well, my kid's special. My kid didn't deserve a B on that paper because they worked hard. They deserve right. an A. And that teacher gave him a B and I'm emailing him. Or I thought they should have gotten to do this. And they did. So I'm going to email their teacher and I'm going to, you know, whatever. And it's like, we're teaching our children to grow up and be adults. Mm-hmm. It's true. Right? It's so if we're going in and trying to email teachers and fix everything for them, we're not actually teaching our kids problem-solving skills because we're handling all their problems for them. And yeah, so our son came in one time, and, um, and he's played football since he was in third grade. His dad uh, was his coach for many years, and, and he's had a lot of hard coaches, him being one of them. Mm-hmm. And so it's not like he's not used to having hard coaches. And, but his sophomore year, last year, he came in, and 
He had been to football camp and then he had been to a few weeks of practice and he was like, I hate my new line coach. My son is a pretty easygoing guy. He doesn't really say that much. And he's like, I'm like, son, I'm sure he's just, you know. He's like, no, 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 I hate him. And if he's watching by video. We, we love we, you. We, we, we pray. Yeah. God, God bless you. <laughs> it wasn't you. It was the other yeah. guy. Yeah. yeah. Right. The other line coach. The, yeah, other, the, other, line, line. the other line coach. Makes sense. But I mean, he lived. <laughs> Got it. Yes. Okay. But he said, no, I mean, I just, I, I, no, you're not, I hate him. I, I'm quitting football. And we said, you're not quitting football. As a matter of fact, that's good for you. He's like, he's so mean. He's so, he makes us do, you know, he's like, I'm doing my hardest. He's making me, and it's like, mm. we said, you know what? That's good for you. Coaching in life is good, mm-hmm. right? And letting other people coach their children, that's a good thing. And we said, as a matter of fact, tomorrow when you go to practice, ask him what else? Yes, sir, what else? Mm-hmm. And I said, you become the hardest worker out there and you'll win your coach's favor. Mm-hmm. So anyway, he went on for a couple of days and a couple of days later he came back and he's like, you're not gonna believe this. Apparently everybody went home and told their parents how much they hated this line coach. And so they all started emailing the coaches saying, you're too hard on my kid, you know, whatever. And they were like, y'all, I don't know who's doing it, but y'all better quit home, going home crying to your mamas and having them email us, you know, whatever. And Caleb said, I just sat there and listened. And he said, I just had to start laughing. He was like, I know that wasn't my parents. <laughs> my parents said, go get more of that. Yeah. So, um, so there is this thing about, what do you mean? You're not entitled to special treatment. You're part sure. of the team. So you're going to do your best and they're going to pull the best out of you. And you get out there and work harder than anybody else. Not, that's too hard for my kid. They don't deserve right. that. You know, so you start emailing the teachers. You start trying to work things out for them. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting. I read a study not too long ago. It was an article, and it said that kids go into college these days with higher ACT scores and better resumes than any time in history, yet they're the least prepared generation to face the real world. So mm. good. So good. Isn't that wild? We've put our kids in special camps because they're special. We've Mm. put them in special camps. We've made sure they've done service hours. We've made sure they've had the best of everything, yet we've never let them deal with any issues. Mm. So they said, moms are calling college professors, saying my kid didn't get the shot at this. They didn't get to do this. They deserved a better grade in this. I don't like their roommate. Mm -hmm. Like they're out of your house. We are training, we're training our kids to be adults. And leave. And leave. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, I saw some dads. I'm looking for a pay raise. Dad's clapping Brother at that in one. the back back there. Yeah. He's like, he's like, yeah. You know, you see these t-shirts, and I know it's all in fun, but they'll say, I just, I don't feel like adulting today. Mm-hmm. Join the crowd. Yeah, it's true. But guess what? I don't have a choice. Good. I am an adult, I have to adult, even when I don't feel like it. And we've trained a generation that doesn't know how to adult. Um, We had a a friend one time that did prison ministry, and she said the main theme every time she went into the prisons was this, it wasn't their fault. Mm -hmm. See, we've trained our kids, it's never your fault. It's the other kid's fault, it's the teacher's fault, it's the cop's fault, it's always somebody else's fault. We shirk the blame and we don't take responsibility. We have to start teaching our kids to take responsibility, responsibility mm-hmm. for their actions, responsibility to go and talk to their teachers. Hannah had an issue with a teacher one time. She was actually really good at this, the subject, she was in Spanish. And 
she went to her teacher and um, she said, I feel like every time we have um, a test and it's a verbal test, I miss less than everybody else, but I make a worse grade than everybody else. And so, I, you know, the first thought was, well, I'm going to email her. And then I was like, no, I'm not. Hey, sis, go talk to your teacher. See if you can work it out. And she said, okay. So she went and talked to her and the teacher actually said, the reason that I'm harder on you and you're not, you're not making that up. I am harder on you. It's because I know that I expect more from you. I know what you have inside of you, and I know what you can do in this. You're really good at it, so I'm grading you based on your potential. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and what we're saying is, but they need to hundred on it. And I'm saying, no, I just want her to be the best at that subject that she can be. So if there's a teacher that believes in her, that's going to expect more out of her, that's a good thing. Yeah. But anyway, but this, that with our friend that goes to the prisons, she used to tell us about this book called Boundaries. It's about, it was about 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I actually got to um, sit in on a lecture by this um, psychologist on Friday, Dr. Henry Cloud, and he told this story, and I thought this really kind of drove it home. And he said he was called to a psychiatric hospital. There was a dad that was there, and he was at the psychiatric hospital, and he was just having issues. But he was saying, I need somebody to come in. I need to talk to him. My son has problems. So Dr. Cloud went in and he saw a young man there and he said, are you the son? And he was like, no, I'm the brother. And um, he said, well, where's the son? And he said, oh, he didn't want to be here. And he said, well, okay, well, but there's my dad. So he goes and talks to the dad and he was like, hi. And he was like, yes, I need you to come. And I need, my son has problems. And he says, well, where is your son? Well, he didn't want to be here. And he's like, okay, well, maybe your son doesn't have problems if he didn't want to be here. And he's like, no, no, he has problems. And he's like, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, if he really had problems, he would want to be here. And he said, no, he has problems. He's been on drugs since he was 15, and he's 23 now. And he's like, okay, well, you know, that, that sounds like a problem. And he said, and he's flunked out of college three times. And then Dr. Cloud got a little confused, and he's like, I don't know how you can flunk out of college three times. He's like, now I understand flunking out of college once, but how do you get back into another college if you've already flunked out of college? And he said, well, I was on the board. So I helped him get back into college and give him another shot. And as a matter of fact, I realized that the dorm life, everybody wanted to come party in his dorm, so I bought him a condo so that he wouldn't have to deal with that. And I made sure he has groceries and money and that he can have a quiet place to study. But he flunked out of college again. And he said, well, the son that doesn't want to be here that has all these problems, where is he right now? He said, well, I mean, he's in Vail. He said, Vail, Colorado? Yeah, he's skiing. Okay. Okay, well, here's the deal. I'm not going to be able to help your son because I'm a psychologist, and I help people with problems, and your son actually doesn't have any problems. And he's like, what? I just told you about all of his problems. My son has problems. And he said, no, your son doesn't have any problems. And the the dad just got so mad. And he looked at him, he said, but you, I could help. You have problems. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. He said, you have a drug problem. You have an education problem. You have a problem. Your son, you're in a psychiatric hospital and your son's skiing in Vail. He doesn't have any problems because you've taken every one of them for him. And that's what we do with our kids. We don't ever allow our kids to experience consequences because we're like, oh, we don't want them to feel rejection. We don't want them to feel hurt. So we take all of it. It's not your fault. We never make them go deal with those hard relational things or, or feel the bottom fall out. And so they don't have problems. We have the problem. So we have to transfer that back because we're teaching them how to grow up, go into the real world. I think that's so good. It, it really is a strategy issue. I think right. the intention of the parent is right. That You right. want your kids to have the what? best possible opportunity yeah. they can, but the strategy breaks down. You like to say this, you say this all the time, 
We save our kids from the things that helped make us who we are. And that Romans 13 passage, kids will say it's not fair. That Romans 13 is talking about ungodly authority and ungodly leadership being an instrument to help develop character. Yeah, it's not easy. I mean, it's not, no. it's not easy to, to continue to push your kids back to authority, entitlement. It's just different. I mean, my, six, my six-year-old had her kindergarten in graduation. By the way, we graduate from every grade now. And, you know, it's like we, <laughs> we, we barely got like a yes. high school graduation. But that anyway. may be for the parents and the teachers. Yeah, we're like celebrating every party. Yeah. I'm like, help us, Lord. Yeah. So we had an end of the year kindergarten play, and she had one line, L is for love, da, da, da. And one of our friends brought her a bouquet of flowers. And I was like, you, you, you treat her like she has the lead in Wicked on Broadway or something. <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on. <laughs> Like, that's the world we live in, and it, it's challenging. The affluence, but, but really, you know, I would say to the authority thing, look for the rebellion mm-hmm. and deal with it. On the entitlement, gratitude is really the indicator that at least you're working against the entitlement if you see that in your kids. Which is and, good. And, and the one thing you can do with your kids is say, you know what, with the authority especially, is I've already gone to your teachers and told them they have authority. Yeah. Like, we're, we're with you. Like if there's a problem, you have them for eight hours a day. So we are going to respect your authority in their lives. And we're going we're gonna to stand with you. And, you know, with the entitlement and authority problems, you know, one thing we heard early on, and I thought this was good, is somebody asked us, they said, do you love your children? We we're like, of course we love our children. Do you like your children? Of course we like our children. Do other people like your children? It's really good. So that's the yeah. question. That's Young a families, hard. if nobody wants to babysit your kids, you need to find out who's <laughs> there, in charge. There could be a reason why, yeah. 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 And so I know that that becomes, um, as well, it, it becomes challenging because there's key moments. Sure. And so I'd like to just say, Jed, as yeah. well, because I know we had some questions about how does that transition. Sure. Because you can be... Uh, at a young age, you can feel like, man, I got a handle on this. I'm, you know, and I call it the cop phase when they're little. You need to institute authority, you know. And like some of you young families are listening, going, man, I better get my badge back and my gun back here and start helping them understand how to relate to God. Right. And that's really the Romans 13. The authority is how you relate to God, and it's heavy because it says not understanding authority does not go unpunished with God, okay? So you get that cop phase, but then as they get older, you have to move into more of a coach phase. Mm -hmm. And as they get more freedom, we like to say in our house, if you want adult freedoms, it comes with adult responsibility. Mm -hmm. So as you, you handle the freedom with gratitude, then you get more adult responsibility. And I'm not saying this is easy. Um, and sometimes I just want to help some of you that are good as cops, mm-hmm. but you're struggling as coaches as now we're entering that phase as our kids ju- fixing to be seniors, juniors, and then sure. some of you got kids going away. You, you have to move into a place uh, to where they can hear from the Holy Spirit. And we need to pray for them. We need to put them around multiple anchors. By the way, for some of you going, man, there's just so many challenges. The Bible's full of challenges in this area. The very first siblings, there was murder. Right. There was favoritism with Joseph. Mm-hmm. And we see all kinds of challenges throughout Scripture as well. But we also see the heart and intention of God. Um, I was thinking just this week about Malachi chapter 4. It's the last verse in the Old Testament before we turn to the New. And it says, he'll turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. So, so I would just encourage you. This is, I would say, fathers or mothers turning our hearts toward them. Mm -hmm. Kids are saying, discipline me. Young kids are saying, 
discipline me. Don't let me have authority problems later. Young kids are saying, encourage me. Get in there with me. Help me find my gifts. Help me find my talents. Turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of children to their fathers toward their parents, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. The reason the enemy attacks so much here is because if he can break that down, there's so much multiplied effects uh, down the road. And in the Bible shows stories of prodigals. I've, I've, I've prayed with so many parents who have kids away from God. I, I would just encourage you, there's hope. M- think about, okay, cop, coach, and if you navigate that well, one day they'll come to you and say, will you consult me? Will you actually help me with decisions in life? Which, by the way, as you get older, that's a privilege that you earn from your kids. Let me, let me say something very practical to teenage parents, okay? We're so passionate about the next generation. There's seven to 800 teenagers uh, that gather here, worship, we train, we work with them. And as, as Brandy's talking about the heart, you're depending on, as you start giving away more uh, authority to them and more freedom, you're depending on their ability to hear from God and the Holy Spirit. Right. So we partner with you, these retreats. It takes a lot of time, a lot of organization, a lot of staff energy, a lot of resources to pull these retreats off in these camps. I want to point out to teenagers, uh, parents of teenagers, our summer camps. By the way, we're not trying to fill spots. I mean, we always fill these up. It always, there's, there's kids that go, can I, can I say something as your pastor? Young families understand the rebellion and entitlement. But let me tell you, if you're a parent of a teenager, I meet so many, well, we're busy with art camp. I'm not against art camp, but you may have a good artist that can't hear from God. Mm -hmm. Okay? I'm not against baseball. I'm not against sports. My kids are active. I played sports. But let me tell you, you should do whatever it takes to get them in these environments because I can guarantee you God will touch the hardest of hearts in an environment like that, and mm-hmm. he'll speak things to them that they'll have their own deposit. So I can't encourage you with that enough. Multiple anchors, we've benefited as parents Absolutely. from having great environments for our young people to be in. So it's very awesome. important. That's really good. And I know that in the commons after the yeah. service. How many of y'all are thankful for our student ministry, yeah. Pastor Tyron, yeah. these guys, they do a fantastic job. I was just going to say... If you're interested, there's a table in the commons there after the service where you can find out all the information you need about those camps. Well, we're running out of time, and I want to get to a few more questions and maybe a little bit of a speed round, so I'll give you a question quick and maybe a, one a clarifying thought. Brandy, uh, there's a lot of families in a blended family scenario where one parent's a believer and one isn't, or the teenager is, and, and, and there's different values. What's the best way to create unity and health in a home when, or homes where not everyone shares the same values? Right, that's a good question. You know, we have lots of blended families out there. And to me, the word you used was how do you create unity? Mm-hmm. And the way you create unity is by being intentional about creating unity, even if you're apart. Because at the end of the day, you still share this child. And so even if you disagree with what the other spouse did, maybe they hurt you, maybe they've been living in sin, you still want to honor them to your child. Mm-hmm. You still want to speak well of them. Your child is already going to have some issues related to that separation, that divorce, that they'll have to work through as they go into adulthood. But the best thing you can do is turn them, continue to turn them towards the heart of that parent. Mm-hmm. And, and, and even if they're still living in sin, you say, you just pray for them. Mm-hmm. Pray for them that God will move on their heart. And you say, but Brandy, I don't even trust them to go into that environment. Um, they, they permit things and they do things that we don't do, but I don't have a choice. And it's just very, um, and so the best thing you can do is continue to talk to your child about their heart. And 
say, you know what? You've got to hear from God. It doesn't matter if you're at that parent's house or your friend's house or wherever. There's a lot of freedom that could be out there for you to do things when we're not around. But it's up to you to make right choices no matter what environment you're in. And so you continue to do that. If you have a step-parent in your family, I encourage you. I mean, I'm hoping that if you married that person that you trust them with your children and you've got to trust them to actually be a parent with you with those children and discipline your children because you will create some animosity and some disunity in your family if, if y'all can't do that together. It's yeah. good. It's really good. Here's one, Pastor Jeff. Even though it's awkward, this is the question, I realize it's important to have the talk yeah. with your kids. How do you inform your kids on this issue? When do you start and how do you help them stay pure? I love equipping and empowering families in this area. I'll be very transparent with you. I'm a pastor, so I have access to resources. I have friends. I have pastors in my own life. And talking to my children about the talk, mm-hmm. um, I was anxious about it. Brandy doesn't have a lot of grace because I only had to do one boy. She was lamenting it in last yeah. night's service. And I'm like, wait a second. I have three girls. You have one boy. It's yeah. done. Like, I still have a ways it to go. It is amazing how they all respond different to the talk, by the way. Way. One of mine was like, oh my gosh, I could never not know this again. And one of them was like, I knew it. Yeah. I knew it. Every time y'all close that door. <laughs> awesome. They're all different. Uh, okay. uh, they're, all, they're all different. Here's some quick snapshots due to time. Yeah. Parents at this phase whether you're scared or anxious or not, you got to do it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So important. You want to be the one that shapes this. By the way, the talk doesn't start at 10, 11, 12, 13. It starts when you bring them home from the hospital for all you young parents as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You start shaping their view of sexuality. You start shaping God's pattern, how you treat women, how you mm-hmm. see women as a dad, moms, what you watch on TV. Very, very important. Yes. Okay. And so you're shaping that, but there does need to be a moment. We're going to put this resource on our children's ministry website, Passport to Purity. Many of my friends, we've used it. It's, it really is kind of like training wheels for you. 24-hour period, take your child away, has CDs. It helps you have the conversation with them. A So, so valuable Great. of a tool. Mm-hmm. So, so have it. I mean, and by the way, it's a little earlier today when, I mean, technology has changed the game. I know I say this a lot. But you got to get engaged with these kids' technology. If you're having a sleepover and friends from the community and they all have internet access and phones and stuff and they're up in a bedroom, it's, it's inevitable that they're going to get involved in things that you don't want them to see. Mm-hmm. I recently, a nine-year-old girl, not by her parents and her phone, but by a friend's phone, worked some fa- a family through this. Look, we got to wake up. True. We got to wake up as parents. They've got access to not just marginally bad things, deeply challenging things on those devices. And so I would say get involved with that. And we partner with you in this area as well. We have something called Battle of the Sexes. Mm-hmm. Okay? So you are crazy if you don't get your kid into that environment. Mm-hmm. Because we're partnering with you to have the conversation with them about purity before they hit the locker rooms, before they hit all the other challenges, before they end up on a date somewhere with another, a person of the opposite sex. It's a retreat. So, it's a retreat. It's a retreat. Battle of the sexes yeah. where we have leaders help you with it, okay? I know it's not popular today. Um, I know there's all kinds of discussion, but still, <clears throat> we have to take them back to the Word of God. Mm-hmm. And the Word of God defines immorality in one box. Anything outside, the immorality is outside of a box, man and woman, 
holy matrimony and a covenantal relationship. That's where God expresses sexuality. And we've got to help our children learn how to walk that out God's way. That's great. Well, last one. Uh, We have lots of empty nesters in our environment. What would you say to an empty nester who wishes they could have another chance? I love to speak to all of you empty nesters because you're here and some of you are like, man, I wish somebody would have told me some of this. It doesn't, all of, all, all of us at some point will look back and go, I wish I would have changed this, sure. I would have started that. I, we can't know everything, okay? But I want to tell you where to have a better focus if you're an empty nester here at Milestone, okay? And that is that the Bible doesn't speak of family just in terms of the natural family. Paul was a single man and he spoke of Timothy as mm-hmm. a dear son. The Bible has familial language. Here at Milestone, we're not just about gatherings and crowds. We are building a spiritual family. And I remember I met at 101 last week a a couple 60 years old. They're like, man, God has rearranged our world. We're here at Milestone. Why would God do that? We've already raised our kids. I said, I'll tell you why. Because there's a whole generation that are fatherless and motherless that are looking for mentors and people that would impart life to them. Mm -hmm. Let me encourage you with that if you're an empty nester. Don't quit. Share with us all the mistakes you made. Mm -hmm. Share with us. Help us. Mm -hmm. Help the next generation get started better. And because there's a whole generation that are hungry for you to invest in them. And so you don't get to tap out. Go have a few vacations, but you can't live on vacation. We need you in the game. It's good. It's really good. We need you in the game to help us with a generation coming behind us. So you're very much a participant and you can hang out with people just like you. I know people come here, wow, the music, this or that. You can go hang out with people just like you or you could get around some things that are different for you and leave a legacy, okay? Leave a legacy, something that'll outlive you. So we love you and we're thankful for you. I wanna thank you both for your honesty and for your answers. Will you join me in thanking them as well? Pastor Jeff, will you pray for us as we close? Yeah. Let's bow our heads and pray. First of all, I want to pray for some of you that have some pain. I have a phrase that I love to talk about. There's no pain like kid pain. And so you love these kids. This phrase, kid pain, comes into our lives. So some of you have some kid pain. You're just thinking about, even as we're talking, you're thinking about that kid. And Lord, I pray right now for that kid that they're praying for. It may be a 20-year-old. It may be a 15-year-old, a 5-year-old. And I just pray, Lord, you'd go beyond our techniques and our abilities and you would touch them. Like you did that prodigal son that we read about in the New Testament where he came to his senses. Only you can do that, Holy Spirit. And I pray right now for that kid. I pray you'd help us as parents. All of us, parents, grandparents, spiritual parents, Help us be good stewards, Lord. That's really all we are. They have to make their own choices. Every life is unique to you and their decisions, but help us, Lord, to turn our hearts toward them, to encourage, to discipline, to not let them be entitled, make some hard choices. Help us, Lord, to do that. Give us courage and strength. I pray, Lord, for mothers here. Thank you for the moms here today. I pray they would leave encouraged. I pray for them maybe watching online. I pray they would be encouraged today. All the things they do behind the scenes that a lot of times goes unnoticed. I know you notice it, Jesus. May they leave with just a fresh wind of your spirit and encouragement in their life to get back in the battle and in the fight of what they do every day. Lord, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Milestone Church. We hope it's been an encouragement for you today. 
We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast or discover who we are by visiting our website at milestonechurch.com. 